With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, uh, part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm Brandon Karam, alongside Boston Red Sox beat writer for Belly Up Sports, LJ LaFiora. Uh, LJ, how are you doing today? <laughs> Good, except for the fact that, Brandon, you sound like you're in some sort of ASMR video with the way you're talking. Between that and the... Uh dark room you're in are you having a good time in florida absolutely yes uh <laughs> it was a fun day today uh yeah but uh yeah, ready to talk some some of baseball and we also have a really nice interview at the end of this uh, lj you can explain more yeah we got some really fun baseball games to talk about here and the best part of all brandon left me unsupervised to do an interview so i had some pretty some fun with Graham Wallace, Belly Up Sports's Blue Jays beat writer. You can find him on Twitter at Graham W underscore bus, bus for Belly Up Sports. I found out that out today, which is pretty darn cool. So let's get going. Uh, first up, we got the Braves and the Cubs. Tied 1-1, Ronald Acuna, the hottest player in baseball, possibly the best player in baseball, hits a two-run single only to be scored two at-bats later by Marcelo Zuna, making it 4-1 Braves. Wilson Contreras hit a solo shot later on, but the Braves hold on to win 5-2. 
Give the win to Josh Tomlin out of the pen. The loss to Zach Davies, who went four innings, allowing four earned runs. And the save will go to Will Smith, his third of the year. Uh, Atlanta's Kyle Wright, who started the game, went four and a third of an inning, allowing two earned runs and striking out five. Yeah, uh, Kyle Wright in this one, just an interesting note I saw. He hit four Cubs batters in four and a third innings. Yeah, that's that's certainly unideal. That's not what you want to see, not in my opinion. All. I mean, maybe I don't know baseball that much, but I don't think you want to hit the guy. I think you're trying to get it, like, next to him. Yeah. I could yes. be completely wrong. I mean, Carlos Radon got got on it. I mean, he still had no hitter. Yeah. But maybe maybe that is the right way to go. All right. On um, to the- yeah, so they'll be playing tomorrow. They've got uh, – or today. Huascar Noah against Trevor Williams. I think Brandon gave me this assignment only, so I had to say that. But Huascar Noah is, is on my fantasy team, believe it or not. So he'll be getting the start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, definitely rooting for the Cubbies then. All right, so let's move on. Onto the D-backs and Nats. Uh, neither team scored a run off the other team's starter. It was Taylor Widener for Arizona and Max Scherzer for Washington. Uh, they went six and seven scoreless innings, respectively. Both teams' bullpens held up, and we would be scoreless heading into the bottom of the ninth. And then Kyle Schwarber, new free agent signee for the Nationals, steps up and in only his fifth game as a National, cranks a 463-foot walk-off bomb, the only run of the game, and the Nats walk away with a 1-0 win. Give the win to Brad Hand, 1-0 on the year. He pitches the ninth inning clean. The loss goes to Alex Young out of the Arizona bullpen, who's now 0-3. Also interesting note, all three players who lead the league with three losses took them today. Uh, That'd be Alex Young, Carlos Martinez, and Mike Fultonavich. We'll get to those two in a few minutes. But Young goes one and a third, allowing one hit, uh, that being the home run for Schwarber. The Nationals are now four and seven. D-backs are five and nine. We have Luke Weaver going for Arizona today, and he'll take on Eric Fetty of the Nationals. And gee, Brandon, it seems like seems like they won this one handily. All right, over on into the Cardinals and the Phillies. The Phillies jumped ahead early with a six-run second inning. This score held until the seventh, when the Cardinals said, "I have an army," which the Phillies responded to with, "We have a JT Realmuto." who sent it out 395 feet for four bags. They win it 9-2. to Give the win to Zach Eflin of the Phillies, who went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and striking out six batters. Really just a clinic on the mound today. Uh, The loss will go to Carlos Martinez, who went five innings, allowing six earned runs and five strikeouts. They will play again today with Kwang Hyung Kim on the mound for St. Louis. And for Philadelphia, they will have Matt Moore. All right. On to the Rays (laughs) and the Yankees. Uh, The Yankees, I don't even know what to say anymore. This is just, you know, it's been a rough few days, especially tonight. Uh, But as for the game, uh, the Yankees go with the opener and Nick Nelson. He gives up two runs in the first inning on a Brandon Lau double. Uh, They then bring in Michael King. And he uh, ends up going uh, three innings of scoreless ball. He's now pitched nine scoreless innings on the year. 
After that, uh, the top of the fifth, it's when it went all downhill for the Yankees. A Mike Brasso double, uh, a fielding error, and then a force out allowed uh, five runs to score. So make it 6 nothing after the top of the fifth. In the top of the sixth, Mike Zunino would add a double to make it 8 nothing, And then a Giancarlo Stanton home run in the seventh only made it so the Yankees didn't get shut out as they lose this one 8-2. Uh, to two. Give the win to Tampa Bay starter Michael Waka, who looked like Randy Johnson against this Yankees lineup tonight, going six innings, only allowing one hit, two and uh, walking two batters. He strikes out nine. The loss goes to Nick Nelson, the Yankees opener, 0-2 on the year. He pitches that first inning, allowing two hits, two runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Interesting line for him there. But, yeah, uh, LJ, I'll let you take uh, – the idea that you added for this one for me. Uh, I've got one comment first. The Jankies lose. Yes. Okay. Um, Brandon, I'd like to hear your opinion on just generally how this game went. I know this is a very open wound right now. and You may want to swear. If you have to swear, how about we use rubber duck instead? That way we can still be sort of a family show. I'll probably screw that up eventually, but let's see where this goes. At least we'll keep that explicit tag. Well, while. the rubber ducking Yankees did not look good tonight. Uh, no, no, no offense. It's the same problems that we've been talking about since the 2019 season where you just have, well, every move that we make for the offense, like the, the moves that we're making are good individually when you have nine of the same hitter in your lineup and you have everyone's just strikeout or home run. And it's our hitting philosophy is you wait until you see a pitch that is absolutely perfect. But if it's not that pitch, guess what? We're not going to hit it. So I don't know. Uh, You know, allowing eight runs certainly isn't good, but after Nick Nelson came out of the game, Michael King did look very good. Uh, Just, it's been the same same stuff for year after year that we keep talking about with the Yankees. Just inconsistent hitting, not a guy who can push the lineup over. Just too, uh, you know, we're too focused on three true outcomes, and it's turning into two true outcomes because we can't hit because we only, you know, home runs have not been our strong suit this year either. So a lot of strikeouts and a couple of walks here and there. But I'm glad that I didn't have to watch Jay Bruce hit tonight. Uh, but that means I had to watch a Rugnetto door hit. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm really trying to be positive because it's early and I know that these things happen, but the Yankees are now five and eight have the worst record in the American league. The Rays are six and eight. These two play tomorrow at one o'clock. Uh, the Yankees get to face uh, someone who's actually a little bit closer to Randy Johnson's skill level. And that's Tyler glass now. And we have Jordan Montgomery on the bump up. Uh, I'm personally scared for what Tyler Glass now could do to the Yankees tomorrow. But knowing the Yankees tomorrow, we're going to have a really good day and just absolutely show him. That's just my that's just what I think is going to happen. But realistically, it's it's not looking good. I will because I care, Brandon. No, just know that. But yeah, I mean, I don't mean to say I called it, but I've been saying so much of this was going to be here with this year, particularly now that they've kind of filtered out that farm system they had. It's, it's a sucky thing for the fans. I mean, obviously the fans didn't want any of that team today, 
as there was a stoppage, if I gathered that correctly, there was a stoppage of the game as people threw things onto the field. Um, I unfortunately was writing something that I then ha- got halfway through immediately hated and tossed out um, and then went to Twitter and found all of those things. So I was trying to catch up late, but I mean, you, it, it's, it's right to be frustrated with the way this has gone because it's like, I'm trying to find a way to describe it, but it's the same issues that keep appearing and they pretend they're not there. It's almost like the United States government or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go more into depth on this uh, in a future pod when we have more time. I'll go much more in depth on my thoughts. But as for now, uh, yeah, not good. But I will certainly reassess the Yankees after this weekend series with the Rays. But uh, LJ, do we want to keep? Uh, yeah, let's on? keep going. All right. The Reds. The Reds unleashed the one thing that frightens everyone these days in this incredibly soft America, their opinion. This opinion was a seven-run third inning, and Logan's or Cleveland starter Logan Allen did not like it too much, Brandon. He was not too fond of that opinion. No. The big reading contraption had homers from Votto and Castellanos in their 10-3 win, while Rosario and Luplo added homers for the Indians. Give the win to Jeff Hoffman, his sixth, uh, not his sixth, going six innings, allowing one earned run. The loss will be given to Logan Allen, who went two innings, allowing four earned runs. They will play again today. They've got Tristan McKenzie for Cleveland going up against Sonny Gray of Cincinnati. On to the Giants and the Marlins. Uh, Evan Longoria with an RBI single in the top of the fourth. That opened up the scoring. Then Jazz Chisholm Jr., he stays hot in the bottom of the fifth. He hits a home run to tie the game at one. Bottom of the eighth inning, Starling Marte breaks the tie with a three-run home run, and that would be it. That's all the scoring in this one. The Marlins win four to one. Give the win to Anthony Bass out of the Miami bullpen. The loss goes to Matt Whistler out of the San Francisco bullpen. Allows uh, He goes one and a third, allowing no hits, one run, and one walk, but takes the loss. Uh, weird stat line there. He's only two on the year, and the save goes to uh, – Yimmy Garcia, his third of the year. I'm going to be talking about him more uh, in a couple of minutes, but that puts the Giants at eight and five. The Marlins improved to six and seven. Today's matchup is Aaron Sanchez versus Sandy Alcantara. All right, let's jump on over to the Orioles and the Rangers. The Orioles' offense was set on simmer yesterday, slowly chipping five runs off of Mike Fulton-Nevich before he was pulled in the fifth. David Dahl and Solak added solo trips around the bases for Texas, but they ultimately fall 5-2. to two. Give the win to Jorge Lopez, who went five innings, allowing two earned runs and striking out eight batters. The loss will go to Fulton Nevich, and the save will go to Cesar Valdez of Poppy's Big Dominican Lunch, his third save on the year. All right. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about is the Pirates and the, the Brewers. Actually, not the last game. I'll be recording more of these in the morning. But the last game for at least uh, this recording of the show uh, is the Pirates and the Brewers. Colin Moran jump starts the Pirates offense with a home run in the second. And that would be just the start as the Pirates score five more runs in this game. And they win six to one. Pirates are low key. Uh 
playing good. When I saw what their 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 record is after this one, I was pretty surprised. But the win goes to JT Brubaker, who's two and zero, six innings, four hits, one run, and eight Ks for him. Loss goes to Adrian Hauser, one and two on the year now, four and a third, five hits, and three earned. The Pirates are now six and eight. Uh, I can't say that I thought they would be at that uh, at this point in the season, especially after having to play the Padres. But uh, they're six and eight, and the the Brewers fall to seven and six. It will be Trevor Cahill for the Pirates taking on Brett Anderson today. Well, when you have uh, the Red Sox gifting them three wins, that's not all that surprising. But I mean, good for the Pirates. I honestly. I would I would rather see even unless it was my team of course I'd rather see a really good team struggle early and the bad team see success just because I mean the mentality as a fan you're going to be so much more excited and have just that week or two of moment where you're really into this where you're really excited it's so much better to have that when you have a chance to be above 500 or near 500 than when you're already buried in the standings so it's never it's never a bad thing to get off to a good start early. Okay, moving on to the Angels and the Twins. After falling down three to two, the Angels had a run in the sixth and seventh, which saw them put up eight unanswered runs on the board. These included RBIs from Jared Walsh and then a Justin Upton grand slam. And LA wins 10 to 3. Give the win to Aaron Sliggers. The loss goes to Randy Dobnik, who's now 0-3. And uh, Andrew Heaney, who is a starter for Los Angeles, he goes five and a third along two earned runs and striking out six. Lewis Thorpe for the Twins goes four innings, allowing two earned runs. The six and eight Twins will meet up once again against the eight and five Angels today or tonight, excuse me, on FS1. Uh, it will be Matt Shoemaker going for Minnesota, and he'll face off against Jose Quintana. On to the Tigers and the A's. Mitch Moreland and Sean Murphy drove in runs in the second inning, and then in the eighth came the only other score of the game once Matt Chapman launched a heat-seeking missile into the stands. Your final three to nothing Oakland give the win to Frankie Montas who's now two and one on the year very nice start from him six innings no earned allowing seven K's give the loss to Jose Arena who is now 0-3 he goes seven innings allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts and the save goes to Lou Trevino out of the Oakland Athletics bullpen it is his second save of the year these two teams meet today at 4 o'clock with Casey Mize going for the Tigers and Cole Irvin for the Athletics. As for the Astros and the Mariners, the Astros led by as much as three runs in this game, but a strong seventh inning and then a home run by Evan White of the Mariners tied up the game. We go to the ninth inning, tied 5-5. to Ty France drives in J.P. Crawford, and that's all she wrote. Seattle wins on a walk-off 6-5. to Jose Urquidy went five and a third innings, allowing two earned runs and seven Ks for Houston. Yusei Kikuchi went deep 
despite allowing five earned runs, he goes seven innings. The win goes to Doug Misiewicz out of the Seattle bullpen. He pitches a clean top of the ninth inning. Give the loss to Ryan Stanek out of the Houston bullpen. He goes two-thirds of an inning, uh, allowing one run and two walks. These two teams will match up today at 9 o'clock, and it is uh, Zach Granke going for Houston and Chris Flexen for Seattle. And then the last game of the night, uh, certainly the game everyone was looking forward to and everyone was watching, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres, potentially an NLCS matchup. Uh, This is the first time these two teams play each other this year. The Padres get on the board in the bottom of the second. Uh, It's on a Luis Compusano single off of Walker Bueller to make it 1-0 San Diego. We jump to the top of the fifth, and it's Luke Rayleigh hitting a home run to tie it up for the the Dodgers. Uh, So it would be 1-1. But then in the bottom of the fifth inning, Fernando Tatis Jr., his second home run of the year in his first game back from the IL to give San Diego a two to one lead. But trust me, the scoring and excitement was not done in this game. In the top of the sixth, the very next half inning, Chris Taylor singles to make it three to two Dodgers. And then uh, Zach McKinstry, uh, actually they're able to get a run on a strikeout uh, because it was a wild pitch. Chris Taylor scores. Uh, Zach. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. McKinstry was the one who struck out. And uh, then it's 4-2 to two Dodgers. Bottom of the seventh, it's still 4-2 Dodgers. Fernando Tatis, uh, he hits into what should have been a double play. Uh, the throw coming from second baseman Zach McKinstry goes wide, and the Dodgers score a run to make it 4-3. to three. Or excuse me, the Padres score a run to make it 4-3. to three. Them still trailing. Zach McKinstry in the eighth hits a double, already his fifth of the year. That would score one run, and now it's 5-3 Dodgers uh, with just six outs to go. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Jerickson Profar ties the game up for the Padres at five with a double, and we would head into the ninth tied at five. Justin Turner in the top of the ninth with an RBI single to make it six to five. Then the Dodgers bring in their closer, Kenley Jansen, for the ninth to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning. 
And down to their final strike, Eric Hosmer hits a single. That drives in Manny Machado, and we would be tied at six going to extra innings. After a scoreless 10th and 11th inning, we are now in the 12th inning. And Corey Seager steps up in the top of the 12th. He hits a home run to make it 8-6, to six, and the Dodgers would just pile it on here. It was a Zach McKinstry single next, a Luke Rayley single, and then actually a David Price hits a sack fly that he had to hit for his position. And so the Dodgers get five runs there to make it 11-6. to six. San Diego was unable to do anything against a David Price in the bottom of the 12th, and the Dodgers walk away with an 11-6 to six victory. A very, very fun game for these two teams to start their season series. Give the win to David Price, who goes two innings out of the L.A. bullpen. Two innings, no runs, no hits, and four strikeouts. The loss goes to Tim Hill out of the San Diego bullpen. He goes one and a third, allowing four hits, three earned runs, and striking out one. The Dodgers are now 12 and two, and the Padres are nine and six. These two match up once again tonight at 840. Clayton Kershaw going for the Dodgers, and he'll take on you, Darvish. Should be a fantastic matchup. Well, let's move on to the particular players people should care about, the PPP. Uh, I have two. The first is Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Look, to have the only run of that game, and it's a massive home run. Uh, Really cool, especially for a walk-off, one of his first games with the Nats. I was pretty high on him coming into this year. I really think he's going to have a good year. He brings power and uh, has enough uh, plate of discipline to be able to draw enough walks in the middle of that lineup. And when you have guys like Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Josh Bell in there, he's only going to help. The second guy I want to talk about is Yimmy Garcia. Recently picked up his third save. Uh, That was today. And uh, look, he's been quietly really good this year. Uh, 76th percentile in chase rate, uh, 73rd percentile in whiff percentage. And, uh, he has a four-pitch mix for a closer, which is interesting. Uh, he go, he has fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. Uh, so, yeah, just keep watching out for him. He's already appeared in seven games for the Marlins this year. They're still looking to at least solidify that closer spot after Anthony Bass blew a few games earlier in the year. But we saw him be the eighth inning guy today and then Yimmy Garcia in the ninth. So, uh, yeah, just my little insight on the Marlins' uh, bullpen management. Yeah, so I think, honestly, the biggest story of the day was Fernando Tatis getting activated from the injured list from his shoulder injury right in time for the biggest game of the year so far, Dodgers-Padres. Brandon, do you know what he ends up doing? I can only imagine because I just watched it. (laughs) He hits a dinger. He hits a cock shot. Brandon, he hits a piss missile out to center to put the team up. So much fire in him, so much fire in those Padres. I, I just, that's the most exciting thing is because it, there's, it's one thing to have a team that's gunning for the Dodgers. It's a completely other thing to have that team want to beat them so badly, to be so desperate to surpass them because they know that they have that talent there 
that they certainly could. They certainly can knock them off. And so you've got the Dodgers who are kind of playing that we've been here before. We're not going to get scared of the new kid thing, even while they kind of prep their fist in case they need to fight. But then you've got these guys that are just coming in full head of steam swinging. It's really great to see. My other picks were Tommy Edmond, Jesus Aguilar, and Yadier Molina. I group all of these guys together because they currently lead the MLB with a 10-game hitting streak. So really strong start to the year, even if they're not like necessarily the best average guys out there. These, these stats are all effective, actually, of yesterday. But it's just – I think it's a uh, very – very good sign to see guys get off to hot starts, even if they're not doing more than just one or two hits a game, getting that consistency early is huge, Brandon. Yeah. You know, that's all you can ask for, uh, especially early in the season. You hate to see a guy go in a slump. So to see a guy start off hot, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly gives not only the player, but the team much more confidence in that guy to come through in big moments. And, the, you know, a play, as a player, a past player, having the team be confident in you is just, it's, it's a great feeling to have. So, uh, yeah, uh, nice for those three guys to get off to hot starts. Hopefully they can keep it going, especially Yachty. I mean, 10 game mm-hmm. hitting streak for him to start the year is awesome in his age 38 season. But, uh, yeah, love that for those three. Yeah, not only that, he's got an over a thousand OPS right now. I think I'm reading it as, uh, uh, 1100. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math real quick, but good start here for, for Yachty and a good start for a lot of guys, particularly I was kind of surprised to see Tommy Edmonds name in there. Just haven't thought about him and kind of felt bad that we hadn't mentioned him yet. So good job, Tommy Edmonds. Well, as we're going to do the leaderboards and then uh we're gonna send it over to the interview because it did go quite long with lj and graham uh yeah it is a great interview i can't wait uh for everyone to be able to hear it but uh as for the leaderboards uh ronald acuna like lj said this is his mlb it's his world uh love ronald acuna he's at 1.6 war the next closest is at 1.1 uh enough said there uh and then as for on base percentage, uh, I did that one today because it's Brandon Nimmo uh, at a 583 clip. That's also because the Mets, like they got, <laughs> yeah, they got postponed today. Oh, I should have mentioned the postponement postponements for today. Oops. Well, there was three or four games postponed today. Three uh, games. That was the, three. that was the Chicago White Sox and Boston. Toronto Blue Jays against the Kansas City Royals and then the Mets at the Colorado Rockies. Those three games were canceled today. But um, yeah, uh, Brandon Nimmo, 583 on base percentage. Uh, really good look for him to start the year. But uh, other than that, that's all I have for today. Yeah, uh, it's certainly not sh- shocking that Boston ended up canceling. I, seven and a half miles from the stadium, can say for a fact that it did not stop snowing until about one maybe two and then it's rained all the way through till about now so certainly the right call to make uh it's too bad that they had to all come in but you have to kind of take that um you have you have to let you have to bring them in if you're going to have any hope of playing so it was a much more 
reasonable cancel than the one on opening day. That's for sure. All right. So I think it is about time. We're going to have you guys go on over to my chat with Graham Wallace. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Graham W underscore B U S. You can find us all over belly up sports. We are a belly up sports podcast and we will see you tomorrow. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, y'all. All right, we are back with Graham Wallace, Belly Up Sports' Toronto Blue Jays beat writer. I am very excited that Brandon had the guts to leave me unsupervised for any portion of this podcast. So, Graham, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be with you. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into this. The Blue Jays, of course, six and seven, not exactly the start you guys would want to be on, but what are your thoughts so far on the season? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed with the, with the offense really as a whole, they've had uh, three games when they scored only one run. Uh, it looked like it was going to be the same last night. They were able to make a, a late rally against the Royals still, still dropped that one. But really, I think the bullpen has been a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. Um, the starting pitching has been okay, but there's been a, a ton of injuries and they're just not stringing hits together the way I, I really was hoping that they would. And uh, just too many strikeouts in, uh, you know, clutch, perf- clutch at bats, uh, guys within, uh, you know, runners in scoring position type of situations. They're just uh, striking out too many of those uh, opportunities. So um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll get it together, but um, not a great start for sure. Now, I'm sorry for not being familiar with this, but are you from Canada? Yeah, yeah. Toronto, oh. born and raised. I, I live in Hamilton now, which is about an hour away. Um, so uh, the first game I went to was at the Sky Dome, but it wasn't long after it was it was built. I I'm a bit older. I was born in, in 83, full disclosure, but it was I think it was 90 or 91. I went to my first game, but I definitely remember my dad telling me about the old exhibition stadium. So I remember the good days, or, you know, Joe Carter and Robbie Alomar and all that stuff. And then, you know, some lean years kind of in between. And then more recently with uh, Bautista and, and, you know, that, that group that, that did so well in 2015 and 16, not quite to the heights of the nineties, but some uh, really memorable teams as well. So. So how did you end up getting involved with belly up sports? Yeah. Um, it was actually my, my stepdad. Uh, he suggested it to me. I was kind of, documenting last season just on my own just an Instagram account I called it my Jay's journal and I was just writing literally just in a notebook and then I, I was like this is getting to be a little bit um, painstaking and I'm like I, I'm going to do it on a computer and then it was just taking pictures of, of little literally screenshots of, of what I was writing and then um, he's like I, I got a bit of an audience and he said you know you, you really love doing this why don't you why don't you try this uh, belly up sports he came across it i think through one of the reference sites because a lot of the times we get linked through the, the, those sites which is great exposure for the website and um so i kind of put together an excerpt of some of my writing uh and much like you probably had to do and and, and kind of sent it in and it was around christmas time last year and and luckily enough they they responded back and and uh they said get lost no no <laughs> they said oh, no you know we'd love to give you a shot and uh so kind of the rest is history. I've, I've been on board since a couple of weeks into to this year. And uh, 
was able to get the Jays beat writing position, which is everything I really wanted. So it's, it's really been a lot of fun since then. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because we ended up coming in actually around the same time. I don't think I've ever talked yeah. to about how I found the site. I was doing a project for a class in school where we had to review a blog. And I'm like, okay, I want to find something nobody else has done. So I ended yeah. up looking up and I'm like, okay, well, what hot, what trending blog sites are there? And I found an article from like 2017 that listed Belly Up as one of the uh, most up and coming blog sites. I'm like, I'll check it out. Turns out the assignment was supposed to be about a blogger, not a blog site. So I okay. really failed the assignment. <laughs> I certainly uh, come and landed on my feet here. I think it's a great group. It certainly bodes well to guys like us who have a more um, casual, not necessarily casual, but um, style that's going to be able to relate to a large variety of fans. And it's not just that same traditional outlook on things that's what i think is so great about belly up no doubt but the interesting thing i would like to hear from you is i don't get to talk to a lot of canadian baseball fans and really get that aspect of the way that their kind of fan base works how much of a panic is there around this offense stuff because i mean obviously you've got a lot of talent a lot of power in this lineup that hasn't really come to fruition and the timing hasn't been there yet. Is there a bunch of panic? Cause I know the three games that the Red Sox dropped early, everyone was already pronouncing them dead in Boston within the first weekend. Cause they looked so bad offensively. And then they turned into the team. We always knew they were. So what's it been like? Yeah, I think there is definitely some concern. I don't know if panic is, is the right word. Um, I don't know if you remember, but they actually got off to a 7 and 11 start last year. And then it, that's almost the third way through the season. Then the bats kind of really started picking up after that. I think if you look at, at Vladdy, he's been, you know, hit, hitting the leather off the ball. His on-base percentage is over 500. Uh, Bo Bichette is really starting to pick it up as well. It's just, uh, you know, Kevin Biggio is hitting around 150. Uh, Simeon's had four home runs, but his average is, is not much higher than 200. Um, Alejandro Kirk was supposed to be a big revelation after he got called up last year. He took a while to get his first hit. Um, Rowdy Telez was really slow out of the gate. So I think the combination of quite a few guys struggling is, is the main reason. They just need four or five guys to kind of get hot at the same time. We had, we had Gritchick swinging a really hot bat early on. And then, you know, we have the other outfielders go out with, with the COVID-19 protocols um, that they, they called up ja- Josh Palacios. And I think he is the player the fan base wants Jonathan Davis to be. I think, I think he's a much better player. He's got more power. Um, he's got good speed. And I, I think he might be at the right, right time, right place at the right time. So a uh, long winded answer. I'm, I'm not too concerned. I think, I think they'll figure it out. And hopefully it's it's sometime before they get a lot of their pitching staff back because uh, there's quite a few guys out right now. Yeah, this is honestly a very interesting part of the Blue Jays to me, in my opinion, is what's going on in that outfield. Because going into the season, you had really four guys that had major league experience that both that all kind of deserved their chance and their share of playing time in that outfield you hadn't really had to worry about it because, I mean, you've got two of them with George Springer and uh, Teoscar Hernandez both on the IL for various reasons right now. You haven't had to have that much trouble and that much of a worry about it. But how do you see that play time share working out later in the season? Yeah, great question, LJ. I mean, I think 
Uh, going back to the winter, I, I kind of targeted Grichik, Randall Grichik as the guy they would most likely trade. His his contract is very is a good value really for what he brings to the table about $11 million a year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he's a little bit older than the other guys. I just thought he would be the guy that they w- would probably trade, maybe get another pitcher or something like that, or, or some prospects. Um, it hasn't really turned out that way. He's been the most consistent performer. Uh, like I said, uh, Hernandez has gotten hurt. The, the guy we haven't really talked about, Gurriel Jr., hasn't really hit the way we thought he would. Um, he did get a couple of hits last night against Kansas City. That's maybe a sign he could turn things around. Um, we didn't anticipate Springer getting hurt. He, he still hasn't made his debut. That's the big disappointing thing uh, about this whole situation. Um, he was just supposed to be the, the ultimate leader, um, World Series champion, great playoff performer. He comes to Toronto or Florida, wherever you want to say, with a great reputation. And um, he hasn't been able to play. Uh, I think the, the bright side of that is Palacios has looked really good to me. I think he, he had a really great spring. He's kind of under the radar. Not a lot of people knew about him. Um, like I said, they, they knew more about Jonathan Davis, but he, he hasn't really hit. And he's made a couple of mistakes on, on the base paths as well. So um, I kind of think when Springer comes back, probably both of those guys will uh, find themselves in, you know, in the minor league system. Um, but I think they're a better team if Grichik is there or, or Gurriel Jr. Or even Hernandez is their fourth outfielder. If there's a, a mix there also with, you know, you could use one of those guys at the DH spot. Um, it's much like the Dodgers. They didn't become the World Series champion by having a bunch of scrubs uh, on the bench. I mean, Kike Hernandez played about every position under the sun for them. And now he's, as you know, he plays for your Red Sox and, and he, he's doing just fine. So I think they just need to assemble the best team, the best 26 guys they can have. And, and that stuff will figure, figure itself out. Yeah, especially in a situation like they are in where their expectation is to make the playoffs, but they're in arguably, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable in saying the hardest division to do that in because you've got four teams that are legitimate playoff contenders in the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. Yeah. Where is the overall outlook from your opinion and the fan base's opinion on them being able to like compete with that? I mean, obviously you're very optimistic, but yeah. – um, Where's the, where do you guys feel like the reality is in terms of we're definitely going to make the playoffs, um, we're outside looking in, where's really been the feeling going into the season? Um, I definitely had us penciled in kind of in, in that wild card range. Um, I, I took my best shot at um, kind of uh, taking aim at some of the Pakoda um, projections uh, in, a, in a post I wrote a couple months ago. And I projected them in the 87 to 90 win range, uh, which I, I put them in third place. Uh, I, I, I didn't think Red Sox would be as good as, they, as they've gotten out of the gate. I kind of had them in that around 500 uh, fourth place uh, team. They might end up being a lot better than that. I'm not uh, willing to say they're not going to be a playoff team yet. The Blue Jays, that, that is. Um, but it's also too early in the season. I like to not really look too, too closely at the standings till about June 1st. Uh, Cause that's when you really got a good understanding of, of, you know, where the teams stand and all that. But uh, I, I think they need to get healthy. I think they need to get on a good, good run. Uh, and, and they need to get a little, a little hotter with the bats, at least more than just Vladdy and Bo uh, in order to really be a serious playoff contender. Yeah. It's honest. Again, it's such a strange perspective going from last year where 
you were stressed out about this, the standings from day one. Yes. A full season again is just such a change of perspective and wild. But yeah, I mean. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Realistically, the more I look at it, and it, it just confirms my concerns that I've always had about the AL East is the fact that there's no clear one that I think is a guarantee to make the playoffs. Even the Yankees, I've had my questions with. It's not me just Yankee doing Yankees hate. <laughs> I, will, I will always question this roster in its makeup because you have so many fragile players. You have way too many righties. And you have a whole lot of guys that are concerned almost entirely about power not the base running, not the on base. And those are the teams that win the championships. So as yeah. easily as it could go great, it could go very bad as well. Yeah, no doubt. I think a lot of us, myself included, kind of gave the Yankees a pass or the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I'm sure Kluber will figure it out. He's going to revive his career. Uh, Tyon hasn't pitched in two years, but he'll be fine. You know, Stanton and, and Aaron Judge have barely played 100 games together, and they've been on the same team for three years. So if I was a Yankees fan, I'd be really frustrated by, frustrated by that. Um, yeah, I think the guys who are really going to make a difference for the Yankees are the guys kind of on the margins. You know, Clint Frazier's, uh, Brett Gardner's been there forever, but if, if he could provide some depth in the outfield, that would be, go a long way towards helping them. And I'm going to say Kyle Higashioka. I mean, I don't like Gary Sanchez at all as a catcher or as a human being. Um, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, Higashioka, I think he's a much better catcher. He, he's, he kills the Jays every time we play him. He's got five home runs the last couple of times against the Jays last couple of times we, we faced him. Uh, so I think he's definitely a guy who could be a factor. And I'm going to throw out another guy, Mike Talkman. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I love this guy. He, he just got a chance to play a couple of years ago when they had all those injuries and, and he did a great job. Let's not forget. They don't have their best player. I think. Luke Voigt still hasn't played any games for them. So I do kind of think they'll go on one of these streaks where they don't lose. They lose maybe two games in a whole month. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, <laughs> but uh, it always seems to happen. And, and I, I do kind of think that, that they will end up figuring it out, but maybe this is the year it all falls apart. Who knows? Yeah. Cause I mean, my perspective has always been, they had a fantastic farm system, an underrated farm system even, to be able to have these injuries and then pull up guys. The one I always think about is Gio Urshela. The way he came up and has turned into one of, if not the best defensive third baseman in the American League. Yeah. Kind of out of nowhere. But the thing that really still bothers me about the Yankees, other than the fact that they're the Yankees, yeah. the unreal protection of Gary Sanchez. 
like I know he was the if I'm correct he was the first baby bomber to come up of the group but mm-hmm. th- the fact that they will cover for him every chance they get I, especially the guys the people on yes with just his defense I mean there's such a lax lackadaisical no matter how much better he gets it's still it shows that lack of effort and lack of focus in his game when it comes to his catching that kills people it's the reason Garrett Cole prefers Higashioka it's the reason I didn't actually get to watch the video maybe you did but I've had multiple people come to me and claim that he ducked on a wild pitch the other day that oh I don't around. I don't think I saw that either okay I've heard multiple people say I haven't been able to find the video but it doesn't put it past me it's just it's unbelievable that people can still market him as a premier catcher the arm's great the power when it's when he's able to make contact is great, but yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think real baseball fans, they they see that Garrett Cole, like he prefer he it's not even a conversation. He he prefers Higashioka. He doesn't want to throw to Sanchez unless he has to. Um, I think real baseball fans know that Sanchez, yeah, the power is great. Um, but but he's probably gonna hit under 200 and, and that's really hard to handle. And especially with his contract and, and, you know, sometimes his attitude too. Um, I think if the Yankees could have two DHs, they, they would be happy for that rule change. They could put Stanton and, uh, and Sanchez in there, but uh, I don't think that one's coming anytime soon. No. Um, I did want to ask you, what has been overall the feelings towards not having the Blue Jays in Toronto for the last now it's looking like it'll be year and a half. Uh, it's it sucks. Uh, I mean, last year we were really deep in, in the whole pandemic and, you know, really we still are. Um, so it was, it was pretty much accepted and it was the same across the board that we had no fans, but still our team was was in Buffalo in that weird in that weird park. I don't know how many games you saw in the Salem field, but it was it was a bit of a weird uh, atmosphere to watch games in. And, and, you know, you didn't feel as connected to your team, uh, you know, social media and then, you know, websites and stuff like that can can do a lot of great things, but it's not the same as, as being at a game. And there's not even a possibility of going to a game. Now this year, starting at uh, in Dunedin TD ballpark there, um, it, it looks more like an extended spring training and, and, you know, balls are, are a lot of times flying out of the park. It's definitely a home run hitter friendly park, but it, it really sucks. I mean, basketball fans are going through the same thing with the Raptors, you know, they're playing in Florida as well. So I think a lot of Canadian sports fans, are feeling disconnected from their teams because we can only watch them through a screen. And to further compound that, we don't have a dedicated radio broadcast, LJ. I don't know if you, if you knew that, but yeah, Sportsnet said we're just going to do a simulcast. So you hear Buck and Buck and Dan or or, or Buck and uh, Tabby, Pat Tabler on the on the TV. And if you're on in the car or at work somewhere, you also hear them on the radio, which is fine because you could still hear the game, but. I don't know about you, but I love listening to a baseball game on the radio. You could kind of use your imagination and maybe have the game day going. And uh, that's been taken from us. And um, I'm not very happy about it. I, I wrote about it a little bit about at, uh, the onset of spring training. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the worst part, in my opinion. Yeah, I've always found a fascination with radio in sports. I really think that's something not that having games called on the radio shouldn't die just because if you're a hardcore fan, it is so much fun. I think baseball is a lot of fun. I think football 
is also a lot of fun to listen to on the radio. Yes. If you get, if you get the right guy and he's like moving through and talking about all of the uh, changes of the line of scrimmage, I think it's absolutely fascinating to hear. Yeah, I love uh, Kevin Harlan. You got the New York Giants going left to right. You know, I said in the formation, and it, I can't do it. I, I can't do it justice. But Kevin Harlan uh, doing Monday Night Football is uh, unbelievable. You get every you get everything you need to. But I just think, as far as my take on this whole not having the Canadian teams in Canada, I struggle to see the purpose of it, or at least compared to the adverse effects because I fully understand we're still in a pandemic. However, it's not impossible to keep these guys contained to an extent while they're in the greater Toronto area, keep them within some form of bubble. And then you look at the adverse effects of it. There was quite a bit of talk about discussing whether Tampa was a viable market for basketball using the Toronto Raptors as test subjects. So I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. I'm not going to overreact and give a hot take that the Raptors are going to stay in Tampa Bay, but that, <laughs> that, that is a, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but more so I think of the fact that the Rays were threatening to go to Toronto or to Montreal last, yeah. last before last season. And if you're having these kind of relations and this overall negative effect of Canada between Canada and the game, that's going to jeopardize some opportunities like that. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it kind of became a political thing. Uh, the Canadian government pretty much thought about it and they were like, no, <laughs> no way. I mean, there's so much more people who live in the United States, um, it, it, which means there's more infected people. It, it, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad there for a while. And, and uh, I guess they just decided it wasn't worth the risk. Um, I'm not really going to weigh in uh, as far as if that was the right or wrong. I think, I think it was the right decision. I mean, I I think they're trying to keep it contained sports for a while. Didn't exist. I was watching the KBO. I don't know about you. And and every morning I got up at five. Oh, wow. More dedicated. I I just woke up and tried to catch a few innings, but we we got sports back, but they still feel a little different. And, and like, should sports still be happening um, there's limited fans and, and, you know, this, we're not out of the woods yet. As far as this pandemic is concerned, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy sports are back, but it makes me question where they fit in our hierarchy of, of what's important in the world, you know? Yeah. I've always taken the stance that sports are in a very similar vein to their extended family in us in sports podcasting in sports talk radio in sports writing where it's meant to be a distraction from the woes of normal day life like you come home you sit down crack open a beer and you're watching a game to get away to escape everything else so that's overall i think i think that was the best thing that baseball brought was the fact that they were really the first ones back they were the ones that were getting so much room about they should have been back in may but that's beside the point they really i think got a big boost in popularity in overall fan happiness by being the first ones back the ones to greet all these people that have been stuck inside for so long but away from this very uh depressing topic to another um <laughs> Sorry about that. another uh 
kind of health issue. I'm going to keep going on with this. Um, you mentioned, of course, you've had quite a few injuries to the pitching staff so far. Yeah. But at the same time, you've had quite a few standout guys, particularly uh, guys like Steven Matz, who have really played well for this team so far. What have been your thoughts on some of these under the radar additions? Yeah, you know what? I was really pumped when we got Matz. I know he's coming off a rough 2020. Uh, he had an ERA over nine in, a, in about 30 innings or so. But if you look at his career, when he came up in 2016, he was really good over about six starts. He was really good in 2017 as well. He had um, a, a bit of a shaky year in 2018 and I believe uh, 2020 as well. But basically, he was coming to the team with about six years of experience and four of them were mostly good. Um, so I really thought it was, it was a decent addition. It didn't come at a, a much of a price tag and, uh, you know, Mets fans everywhere were just like, thank you. Thank you so much for taking him off, uh, our hands. And, you know, he's two and zero with an area of one four one forty six. So I know it's only two starts, but he's been outstanding. Um, I'm not saying the guy's going to win the Cy Young or anything, but as a fourth starter, uh, you could do a lot worse. Um, you, you know, uh, Go ahead. I've been incredibly pleased with the way they filled out the back end of that rotation. I didn't think there was a better way to go that wasn't going to cost you an arm and a leg. I know Brandon had some doubts about people like him and stuff, but I just, I see Steven Matz and I see a guy that even if his best stuff might've been behind him, even if it was kind of a quick peak to where he could be a middle of the line starter for the Mets. And then he's falling back to earth to where the majority of his career would roll out. He's still going to be a guy who can go out and at least get you five the majority of the time. And I think that's one of the most important things to have in the back end of your rotation. Something I thought was going to be to to the Mets benefit last year when you've got Stephen Matz in the back, back end, you have Rick Porcello in the back end who ended up, for the Red Sox, he got traded there in 2014 or 15 and finished the the decade with the most innings pitched of the 2010s. Porcello. Porcello. Really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I, so, I didn't think he should have won the Cy Young the, the, the year he did, but that, that's another story, I guess. Yeah. You I mean, that I think also contributed to it is the fact that by getting so many innings, by being able to be at least – consistent enough to go five or six every time he went out there, that's going to give you those opportunities to get over 20 wins as he did that year. I'm blanking on how many wins he got that time around. It, it was but, a close race though, but I mean, Matt's has been actually going better than five. He's been going uh, into the seventh, I believe his first couple of starts. And uh, you know, we've got guys like TJ Zoic starting games and he, he doesn't seem capable of going more than four innings which begs the question, is he a starter? He, you know, he, he's only pitching about 65 pitches in games and they, they, they let, let him go a fourth inning after having David Phelps start a game and the angels. And he, he gave up a couple more home runs. So I, I don't really think he's going to be a solution there. And when you've got your starter only pitching three or four innings or, or piggybacking off a opener, you're really taxing your bullpen, which is, has been really good for the most part. Um, so I, I think if Pearson comes back, uh, another starting opportunity could be coming uh, clear for Thomas Hatch. Um, 
Anthony K started last night. He didn't look great. Um, so things are going to kind of shake themselves out. We have, we got Robbie Ray back. So it's like, it's a weird situation because we've got probably our three best starters are all lefties. When you think about Hinjin Ryu, uh, Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. Uh, now we're just going to have to kind of, uh, you know, Ross Stripling is out as well, who also is, isn't a great pitcher either. So we're just kind of duct taping the rest of our rotation together and, and hoping we could kind of stay above, uh, ab- above. So we're able to keep breathing uh, when, when the uh, cavalry comes back in, so to speak. Yeah. I, I think overall, as long as you have a group that's going to be able to eat those innings and keep off the bullpen, that's the biggest thing to me. But then again, I tend to side more traditional with a lot of these things than a lot of the analytical people want to go. What are what overall is your yeah. thoughts on this whole the raise the raise way now with the openers, the not get, letting guys go more than twice through the lineup stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think the Rays are a, a unique team. They they kind of always have been. And, and they've been able to do it with success. And, and really, if you think back to, I think it was 2018 or I think it was 2018 when they started it, they did it out of necessity. They had Chris Archer still at the time, and I believe they had Blake Snell. And really, they had almost no one else starting games. So they're like, Ryan Yarbrough, go out and throw an inning or two for us, and then we'll figure it out after that. Um, and if you look at the record in those games, they actually were, were quite successful. And, and they've been a really good team over the last couple of years. But um, I think they would like to, to have guys go more innings as well. Um, despite what we saw in the world series last year with, with Blake Snell getting yanked after what five and a third of really, really good baseball. Um, I, I think, you know, you see what they did in the off season. They went out and got Rich Hill. They got, um, Colin McHugh. Um, you know, these may not be big name guys. T- Tyler Glasnow, I think is going to be in the Cy Young mix this year, if he can yeah. pull it put his stuff together um combined with some of the guys they got coming out of the bullpen i think they would love to have better length they just don't really have the the payroll and and, and to get these great arms so uh i usually when i'm watching a baseball game it'll get to a point where it's like they got to pull him here they, they can't let him put him back out and invariably they'll they'll give him another chance they'll they'll push it he'll be at 86 pitches through say five innings and they'll be like, we'll see if we could get one more inning. We'll see if we could do one more thing. And I, I think it's always better to uh, be safe than sorry w- with yanking the pitcher. Um, not necessarily after a certain amount of pitches or facing, you know, line up a certain amount of times, but just on a, as a feel case by case basis, I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. So somewhere in between the analytics and the, the human side is where you'll kind of find my opinion on that. <laughs> I, I completely agree. That's where things need to be. My, my take has always been I'm going to be fine with you dropping a couple of games because of starting pitching early if that means your bullpen can be strong in those last couple of months. Because it's a long I, season. Yeah, sorry. My, my biggest concerns are to be if you're only going to let a guy go four or five innings when he reasonably has the pitches to go another one, even if it was kind of up in the air, I'm going to side on that starter the first few months just so you don't have – little gaffes in the late innings late in the season when the games matter so much but we were just talking about it yesterday or maybe it was two or three days ago about how it's been a disservice towards just about every good starter in the Rays system the way they've pulled guys I mean you look at it 
Uh, it was Tyler Glass now, most recently, goes into that ninth inning, gives up, I think it was a walk or a hit in that ninth up plenty. And he starts arguing with Cash out on the mound because he's, and then in the interview, he's like, yeah, I hope at one point he'll let me go past 102 pitches, especially if I'm feeling good. I mean, he was absolutely dealing that day. Yeah, He could have finished it without giving a run, out, a run up, I think. But it just feels like an unnecessary lack of trust that these top pitchers aren't going to buy into, especially when you're bringing guys along. I mean, they get Glass now in there. They get Yarborough from the Red Sox back in 2018 for Nathan Iavaldi. Yep who is now able to go as a feature starter. They're really the two feature starters of the group that they're not going to be piecemealing outings out of. And so I just, I think it's absolutely wild that you're not going to put more trust and confidence into those guys. It's really the same thing you did with Blake Snell. I have nothing to back this up, but I will always believe that the Blake Snell trade was not nearly as much about the money because they could have traded him at a lot of different points in the year mm-hmm. as, as it was about him not wanting to be in a position where they didn't trust him, where they did, they had a Cy Young award winner that they weren't willing to trust when he was at his absolute best. And that ultimately cost the team. I think that shakes a lot of confidence in a lot of different guys. And that might be what you're about to see with Tyler glass. Now I'm not trying to make any crazy predictions here, but I could certainly see it happening after things like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of thoughts come to mind there. I mean, Blake Snell is a great pitcher, um, but he also won the Cy Young award a couple of years ago with, with the fewest amount of innings by a starter ever uh, under 200 innings. He's not a guy who's known for going deep into ball games. If, if you look at his game logs, even from his Cy Young award season, of course he went deep quite a few times, but I think it was 189 pitch uh, innings or something like that. Um, the Rays are going to go by their models. They're going to go by, by their numbers. That, that's just the type of organization they are. They're also not a team that... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Invests heavily in its players. So you got Kevin Kiermeyer. He's been there forever. They're, they kind of remind me of, of the old Expos. They get these great players coming up. Larry Walker, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, senior, obviously. And, and, and you know, they, they have them for a few years, and then they can't afford them invariably, and they have to trade them before they're, they're up for their big contract. So I think the Rays are going to do their thing. They're not going to worry about whose feelings they hurt or whatever. I think it remains to be seen what they got in that return uh, from San Diego. But I've been watching these guys for long enough to know they know what they're doing and there's almost no other team uh, maybe milwaukee but that has the little payroll that is consistently as competitive as they are so i trust them i think they'll be just fine and um i get that i blake snell got pissed off about that and i totally see his size by side but i think it was just a untenable fix situation unfixable and they just had to, to move on yeah i just 
I completely see where you're coming from with this in the fact that I've watched quite a few Rays games. It's where I've seen the majority of my Red Sox games actually is at the trop. But I just have to think that ignoring the human side of baseball for as long as they have is potentially dangerous to the team chemistry. Like eventually I have a feeling that that could very well end up coming to bite them just because the long-term effects of them seeing, okay, we're not really getting where we want to go. If the player's standpoint, we're not reaching that pinnacle, getting past that world series. We're a lot like the A's and the fact that we're going to make the playoffs a lot, but we're, we'll be lucky to make it that far just because we're not built to be strong outside of like stretches. Like they're built for the regular season so much more than other teams so I could see the confidence real and trust in that process by the players hurting, which would then bring down the product of what they've built there. But I think what they've built there is really ingenuitive. And if it can work, I would ride it for, if I were them as well. Yeah. I mean, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, like it might not be forever that, that they're in Tampa Bay. It, they mm-hmm. talked about a joint partnership in Montreal. I'm, I'm skeptical about that because as a Canadian, I, I watched Montreal have these great teams in the nineties. They look like they were on track to win the 1994 world series. There was no 1994 world series. And then the audiences dwindled and then they lost their team. So I, I'm a little skeptical about that partnership and how it would work, but they might need to move to a different city or uh, find a different owner who's willing to shell out the, the dollars at least a little bit more, even if they're towards still in that bottom third, but towards say number 20, than number 30, as far as payroll, it, it would give them a bit more flexibility in, in choosing to keep some of their up and coming players rather than trading virtually all of them. Um, you know, they have to look in, other places like international free agents. I believe that's how they got a Rosarena. Uh, so they have to be really creative. They get guys off the scrap heap. Like they had Tommy Pham and, and he just really hit really well for them every year. They seem to sign someone who no one else wants. And, and he's unbelievable for them, but I think that's only it's limited in how successful that could be over a period of many years. So they might need to look at, at something else logistically, because I think it's uh it's limited for sure. Well, the, the simple solution is how about you get into actual Tampa? I mean, yeah, I'm, we vacation quite regularly because the Red Sox always seem to be down there within our time frame in the St. Petersburg area. So we can go see, yep. them. but for the vast majority of area residents, Tampa people, the majority of their lives are on the opposite side of that bridge. It is not yeah. that accessible for them to get, to the trop. So that I have to feel is hurting them as much as the ownership not wanting to invest more money. But outside of the Rays, which we have talked our fair share on, who else do you like in this league right now? Well, I, I like the Royals. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I said to my partner before the game, like, I'm, I'm really kind of stoked for this, this series. Uh, it, they're finally playing a team I kind of like. I, you know, I don't like the Yankees. I don't like the Rangers or the Angels, uh, even though they are a very fun team. Um, I don't, I don't particularly like them. I've always kind of liked the Royals. They're a small market team as well. I like the the waterfalls. Um, I like Andrew Benintendi. Uh, a lot of people think he's like this lost cause, which I think is crazy. Uh, I like Whit Merrifield. I really like what they did 
this offseason. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to sustain it, but they're fun. Their pitching's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And they still have a couple holdovers. Well, I guess they have Salvador Perez. That's about it uh, from that World Series winning team. Uh, Houston looks great. I, I hate every second of it. Um, but Houston's looking pretty good, at least in the first series. Um, yeah, I think they're lo- losers of five straight now. Okay. Uh, that's that whole not looking at the standings until June thing. Maybe I should have done a bit more research before <laughs> coming on here. Sorry, I should say the Angels. Sorry, man. The Angels yeah. are looking, you know, they're a lot of fun with Shohei and obviously Mike Trout. It's usually the same story with them. They don't have enough pitching. They don't. Uh, so I'm not really holding my breath on them, but I, I think they're a lot of fun. I thought Oakland would be a little better. They've kind of found it a little bit lately. Um, Detroit's been fun with, with Akil Badu hitting these, you know, mammoth home runs. Um, pretty much everything else has been shaking out the way I thought it would be. Um, are, are we just talking American League right now? Uh, anything you want, National League as well, whatever. You yeah, I, I mean, I'm more of an American League guy. I, I, I like the DH. I, I don't think pitchers should hit. Um, I'm surprised the Braves have been... Oh, I'm trying not to say their name. The Atlanta team. <laughs> I think they're they're headed towards a team change name name change as well. Um, anyways, Atlanta has been a bit of a disappointment. They're one of the teams I thought was the most surprising out of the Pakota projections. I thought they were going to win that division again, and maybe they still will, but they've been a little slow out of the gate. Um, Mets had their first series canceled, so I, I don't really know what they are yet. They, um, they have had seven games canceled in the last 16 days. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they, they got Taiwan Walker who pitched on the Jays last year and, you know, I really wanted them to resign him. So I, I don't know what, how that's going to shake out, but uh, I think the central is probably the worst division. Oh yeah. Um, but it might be the most competitive. It might be the most fun. I don't know who's going to win it. Cincinnati had that really explosive start with their offense, which is, really funny because they couldn't they couldn't hit anything last year including in the playoffs um way back in november in my way too early projections i picked the cubs to win that division which i, I don't know if that's going to happen well, uh sorry, at, that point, at that point you didn't see them selling off their entire franchise by by the end of may which is what it feels like at this point they'll have done so yeah i can't blame you there I still think they got a, a good deal in getting rid of Schwarber and, and bringing in Jock Peterson. That, that that's those are two players I'm really going to keep my eye on because they're very similar kind of guys. Obviously, Peterson's a, a different body type and all that sort of thing, but they're home run hitters. They both strike out a lot. I think they're going to let Peterson maybe face a few lefties, which he's never really been able to do, and the Dodgers never let him. So I'm really I'm going to keep my eye on those two guys and see like who got the better out of that. I know it wasn't a trade, but the Cubs let him walk and then the, the Nationals signed him and then the, the, the Cubs signed Peterson. So that'll be interesting. And then out West, um, you know, Dodgers and, and Padres, everyone's got their, their eyes on them. They're, they're going to finally kick off their season series tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't think both teams are going to win 100 games. And that's not a popular opinion, but I just think something's going to happen. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to go on a big streak. Padres, no one's talking about this, but they have a really lousy history. Uh, that doesn't mean anything, but it's really hard for me to see them being like this new great team. Uh, they haven't done anything <laughs> yet. Uh, and I still think the Dodgers are better. Um, 
no one's talking about the Giants, um, but I actually really like like their team, and I like Gabe Kapler too. I, so. I I've I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for that Giants team for the past couple of months. I think last year wasn't a mistake. I think they've got a lot of very underrated, particularly pitching. Stremsky yep. um, has been a real bright spot for them. I question what they have really as like their strong young presence as that's going to lead them back into things. But if you don't have one of those yet, I see no harm in just trying to be competitive, trying to be in that wild card race, even if you have the Padres and the Dodgers right above you. But I'm fully on board with what you're saying here about no two, uh, not having two 110 win teams. I think the Dodgers are clearly the best team in the league right now. It's they're they're certainly yeah. going to win that division. I can see the Padres going over a hundred wins, but it's just so hard when again you have three really good teams there with the Giants, the and the Dodgers, that they could knock you they can all knock each other off very easily. So that's yeah. gonna make it so much harder. It's another thing you're seeing in the East teams. This is a pretty good uh time to segue over to the last thing I wanted to bring up, which was some uh, debate, debate in the making that we had in our Belly Up Sports conversations uh, the other day where the baseball department intern asked which division we thought was the best. You responded with the AL East 100%. <laughs> and then I went through and I listed mine. I went with the NL Central and the AL East. And then I actually ended up ranking it all down with the national league of west and then the american league and then the two centrals in that same order as well yeah then the real kicker went in here you you saying you can't put any nl division first with pitchers hitting would you like to further explain that well i mean when you're a pitcher and you're facing pitchers how can you give them the credit, the same credit for getting other guys out? Sure, you could say, well, a lot of American League teams have this this scrub guy at, at shortstop who hits 200 or whatever, but he, he's a professional hitter and, and he's not a pitcher. I, th- I think it's embarrassing to watch these guys go up there and try to hack at pitches. It, it's, it's not fun to watch. It's not entertaining. And that's if you're facing a pitcher, you know, once every night, that's 11% of the batters you're, you're facing. Uh, I know that shouldn't be the number one determining factor. I just think the American League East, it's the it's the best division in baseball, and it always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little biased in that, but uh, I, I'm an American League guy, and I'm an American League East guy. As a, I, I fully respect that. I fully agree on consistency of the American League East, not just a Homer Red Sox take there. However, when you really think about it, I just think overall – there's two factors for me that put the national league East right now over them. I'm going to challenge you first on the 11%. Let's say that everybody that you're going through average four at bats for the entire lineup each night that puts you around close to that 11%. However, if you think about it, those relievers aren't going to go the long, there's not going to be much long relief. That's going to actually see in a bat even. So if you're, right. talking, yeah. if you're talking four at bats, for that nine spot two of those are going to be pinch hitters which again with one of the very few benefits of having the pitcher hit is it does test the depth of your team a lot more from an offensive perspective but that makes it means you're talking about about five and a half percent 
of your at-bats are going at pitchers. I think I agree with what you're saying there. It's a black hole in the, in the offensive lineup early on, but I just think right now the amount of talent in those four teams, the Nationals, the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies. Sorry, Phillies, yeah. yeah. Um, especially the Phillies, I'm very high on their lineup. I think that just barely edges out the lineups that we're looking at in the East right now, and it's not by much just because I think they are just slightly better talent-wise than any of those teams that will edge out for me. The other issue that I bring up is you have to look at that fifth team. Miami was a playoff team last year. Mm-hmm. Not only were they a playoff team, but they've proven already normally that they're going to be, while they're in this rebuild, a very streaky team that can win a bunch of games very quickly. Yeah. So I would pick them more often to pick off some of those four, those four teams that we're talking about being very good. I think they're more likely to pick them off than the Orioles are. And so overall, that's why I'd say that they're the best division because they're going to be certainly the most competitive. Yeah, fair enough. I I think the Orioles aren't going to be as bad as some people think Uh, they're going to be, obviously they, they, they swept Boston in the first series, but they've only been able to win. I think two out of their last 10 games, they're, they're still in very much in a rebuilding phase. I think the Marlins have a chance to be one of the most exciting teams in baseball Uh, jazz Chisholm, I didn't realize if he was a rookie or not, but I definitely considered putting him in as one of my rookie of the year picks. Uh, I believe he is a rookie. Um, <laughs> a really exciting player. Um, I, I'm thinking maybe you, you wanted to pick him as well. But, uh, you know, I, he, there's a lot of unknown with, with, with them. And in baseball, when you have a lot of unknown players or commodities, that can really hurt the other team because they have no scouting report. So I think the Marlins could actually surprise a lot of teams. And... I don't know. Maybe you've got me. We'll see how they do in interleague. Um, but it, I think it's pretty close if we're splitting hairs. But right now, I think we kind of talked about it in our pre-talk, like Red Sox are playing well and Mets are playing pretty well. But none of the other teams are really playing that well right now. They're, they're around 500 and they're probably the best still yet to come. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, again, a lot of time left to play. I'm reacting that way because... Um, As a little surprise for the MLB Daily listeners, a little preview of what will be coming in the coming weekend. Belly of Sports Baseball actually voted on awards predictions before the season, and I completely forgot to write that up and get it on the site. Oh, we're going to do that at the end of the month, aren't we? I thought we were going to release the we were going to release the predictions and then go through our thoughts on it at the end of the month and then. <laughs> okay, well we'll 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 get yeah we'll, okay. we'll get there yeah we'll so get I'll it out get there. Up, I'll get that up this weekend and I will talk to you a little more in the coming weeks about uh, what we want to do with that going forward, Grant. But yeah. yeah, on the Orioles, I will have to say I have a lot of respect for how they've been able. They've found their share of kind of sneaky guys that are able to perform well the likes of my one of my favorite players Jose Iglesias and Dylan Bundy that they were then able to go and pawn off for extra prospects I think that's going to speed that speeds up rebuilds very quickly just getting more guys in that system that you can be fond of and you can try to hit on so I could see them really starting to turn the corner within the next two years yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, they they lost, what was it, about 100 and, 114 games or so uh, two years ago. They lost over 100 
in 2019. I just, it's hard for me to not see them get better. They, they seem to play the Jays tough a lot of the time. Um, they definitely have some, some hitters. Uh, John means is a pretty good looking young pitcher. Um, and, and I like their manager too. He seems like a, a smart baseball man. Uh, it's, st- they're not out of the woods, not even, you know, not even close, but I, I can see a similar timeline for them to be competitive at least as well. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have for you, Bram. Thank you so much for coming on here today. I will leave My you pleasure. say anything else you have left to say, as well as plug anything you want to plug, be it your work, your Twitter, or any of that. Yeah. Um, I just want to say you've been doing a great job on the site. I, I see you're doing some editing as well. So uh, it, that's really great to see. Um, I, yeah, I usually have, I have my thoughts on the Jays. I typically write as the week ends. I usually have my, a new piece come out each Monday. Uh, you could check me out on Twitter. It's uh, Graham W underscore bus, uh, which stands for uh, belly up sports. Um, but yeah, check out the site. There's a lot of good content out there. Um, we're going to be doing this again. Uh, I mean, I, we're going to be having baseball conversation throughout the, you know, and content coming at you all, all, uh, all year. You, you, you do this every, one of these every day, don't you? Yeah. It's that's, been, that's crazy. Wow. That's great. It's been a bit of a grind. That's part of why I picked up the editing because I didn't realize, first off, I've adapted to, because we record after the Pacific games each night. Mm. So I have surprisingly well adapted to a 3 to 11, 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. sleep schedule. Wow. Yeah, Good for you. <laughs> I did not think I would so quickly. But the other thing I didn't realize is there is very little to do in the middle of the night. So I have been very thankful to be able to do some editing for Belly Up Sports now as I watch the West Coast games come through. And it's really anything we can do to support the site. We want this site to take off as much as the readers do because it's going to be a lot of fun when we all make it and can say we were in it from really i mean this certainly isn't the ground floor of the site has come a long way even before we were there but to say we're even in it from here is going to be so exciting with the room and potential we have to grow yeah i love that that attitude and that that energy i've been seeing you there and I, the encouraging words and the comments is uh is nice to see as well so uh we'll have to do this again definitely well thanks again graham make sure you go follow him on twitter uh, Graham W underscore bus. Uh, have a great weekend. Okay. Go Blue Jays. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 